Hey, this is Dr. Deb Sandella, and if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And in today's podcast, we've got the Dr. Deb Sandella. She's literally a mental magician um, and is one of my mentors that taught me how to properly handle emotions and move through grief, loss, trauma, and be a real man when it comes to actually handling your emotions. So uh, Dr. Deb is a traditional psychotherapist with over 20 years of practice. She's got a best-selling book, Goodbye Hurt and Pain, and she's the founder of the Regenerating Images in Memory uh, Institute, groundbreaking psychotherapy that's been scientifically proven to reduce stress and improve your quality of life. Uh, she's been featured on USA Today, CBS, CNN, Fox, Self, Shape, uh, and all over different means of research. Uh, when it comes to her methods, and she's even working on getting these methods into schools to help with all the stress that's going on uh, at a young and early age. Uh, in this episode, you're going to dig into uh, getting a deep understanding of what emotions actually are, uh, why we fight them, uh, how fighting them can actually cause physical illness, and we're going to dig into the steps to actually start moving through your emotions so that you actually have a better shot at being successful life. We're also going to dig into the number one reason why the law of attraction doesn't work for people and they think that it's fake and it all comes back to not feeling your emotions. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. It's absolutely groundbreaking. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We'll see you in there. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and welcome back to another episode of the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast. And today, uh, I've got a dear friend and mentor of mine, uh, and I'm really excited for this episode, so I hope uh, you are too. Dr. Deborah Sandella, PhD, Registered nurse is the author of the number one international bestseller, Goodbye Hurt and Pain. Uh, she's an award-winning psychotherapist, university professor, and after 20 years as a traditional mental health professional, became the originator of the groundbreaking Regenerating Images in Memory, RIM, method, a, a deep psychosomatic process which is heavily backed by neuroscience and proven to reduce stress and improve the quality of life in an individual. Uh, RIM is actually a method that I've personally been through dozens of times to help me on my entrepreneurial way. 
Uh, and we've now actually implemented uh, this method with hundreds of our clients uh, to go through as well and help them break away from their past programming. Uh, Dr. Deb has also been featured on USA Today, CBS, CNN, Fox, Self, and Shape. And research continues to show her work decreases symptoms of stress-related illness and increases quality of life, or what I like to call success in life. Uh, grateful to have a real-life mental magician. Uh, Dr. Deb, welcome to The Shit You Don't Learn in College. <laughs> Thank you, Xander. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm, to I'm super you. grateful to have you here. You've been you've been one of the uh, most important influences on my life over the last you know four years as an entrepreneur. Um, but before we dig into all of that and and your background, I always have to start off with uh, kind of a big question. Um, I just want to ask you, how would you define success in life? Hmm. You know, what's really interesting is I remember I had this critical moment in my life where I was feeling like I w had a bigger vision than was manifesting. Yeah. And I was feeling a little sad about it. And I ended up going to this women's luncheon and they had actually Canfield cards at every place. Yeah. And I read the card in front of mine and it said, uh, if you really look at the definition of success, how would you feel if you defined it as the number of people that you love or love you in your life? Huh. And it was like, well, wow, I would really be off the scale there. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was really a kind of coming back home. Yeah of place of my life and what's important to me and after you know and then after that the the other kinds of success seemed to get easier yeah. because I wasn't striving anymore well if you if you start with that right if you start yeah. with that part everything else seems to be a little bit easier right exactly exactly and I, I you know I've certainly worked with a lot of entrepreneurs who um who don't have that and that they are not totally happy, even though they may be, you know, may have a lot of success. Yeah. They might have so, financial so, success or success on the outside, but it doesn't necessarily yes. mean they feel successful. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so success is a very interesting thing. So that's a, a very kind of slippery question and a good question. <laughs> that's why I, I saved it just for you, Dr. Deb, because I knew you'd have a good answer for it. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I, I love it. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can dig into around, um, you know, kind of how you, uh, how you got to where you are and, and, you know, starting the, the RIM Institute and everything there. But before we dig into that, I want to, I want to start with the basics, emotions. Talk to me. Like what, <laughs> what, what are emotions? How do they work? I mean, I, I've learned a ton from you, but I would love for you to just kind of explain emotions to me a bit. Well, what's really fascinating is how we think about emotions and how emotions actually are. There's usually a, a difference because we think of emotions as being the same thing as thoughts. Yeah. I've even had, I've had uh, men particularly say, now, isn't, aren't my thoughts feelings? You know, like they're confused. Yeah. But actually thoughts are, um, like conscious intentional statements and putting things together. They're linear and intellectual and logical. They're, they're left brain. Emotions, 
Yes, exactly. They're very left brain. That's where the part of the brain that originates thinking or thoughts is in the left brain. Yeah. But feelings originate in the creative emotional brain that we could call the right brain. It's the whole limbic system. And they have a life of their own. Yeah. So we do not generate them. They are spontaneous and transient. So they come through constantly, like dynamically. They change moment to moment to moment to moment. Yeah. But we're just not paying attention to them most of the time. And so uh, the scientific word is interoception, that they constantly flow in through the body. So you have a physical experience and you also have a subjective emotional experience at the same time. And then they're designed to flow through, yeah. to be transient. Like they're just bringing us information and feedback. Kind of like in the body, the skin is constantly letting us know the temperature. Are we comfortable? Yeah. Is it too cold? Is it too hot? It's, well, it's, an, it's an automatic response. It's not something... Exactly. But we, you, like you mentioned, we subjectively notice maybe a thought that maybe creates an emotion or is tie, closely tied to an emotion maybe. Right. Well, we, you know, we have, we have thought about emotions as uh, being the result of thinking. Yeah. But actually what I've discovered over the last 24 years uh, that I did not learn in graduate school. <laughs> yeah, You mean these are not things that you learned in college? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is that they do have a life of their own and they have a, an organic resourcefulness that we're not using that we're not allowing to be used because we're overriding it with thinking. So you, and then, you say they have yeah. a life of their own. What, what can you, can you explain? What does that mean? So they happen in the body non-verbally. Yeah. So they don't come in as words. Yeah. They come in as a sensation and it may be a body sensation, a sensory sensation. It may be an emotional feeling Yeah. or it may be even, um, just an awareness, like a knowing, and yeah. they come as knowing, and we can't control them. We can't stop them from coming. They're just like breathing. They're, they're happening, know? whether we want them to. Or... So, so you, <laughs> exactly. mean, you mean all the, you know, all the when I was when I was young and I was watching TV and it was all about like men don't show emotions. Like we can stop, <laughs> we can stop the the sadness. We can stop the anger. What you're trying to that's tell me right. is that that's a, a big load of shit. Is what you're basically that's, that's telling me. Is true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think that most men probably learn that the hard way yeah. that, you know, because at a certain place when we try to control our natural feelings and especially the very strong ones, because they usually have some kind of important message. Yeah. And if we keep ignoring that, then pretty soon we're like a pressure cooker. Yeah. You know, we blow in one way or another. Now, men and women tend to blow in different ways. The more you know, the older we are, the more we have that gender kind of, uh, typing, but, um, but eventually, you know, women may be crying, but men are blowing, yeah. you know, yelling. Uh, and so, or it can reverse these days. We have much more freedom emotionally. Yeah. So it's much less restricted by our gender, which is fabulous. Yeah. It's really great. But what that means, so this is what's really important, Xander. Yeah. It's useless to feel guilty about having a feeling. Interesting. Because, yeah. Which, and which we every, I guarantee every every listener who's listening right now has felt guilty about feeling something. They felt, I shouldn't feel that. I shouldn't, right. I shouldn't feel angry. I shouldn't feel doubt. I shouldn't feel, I shouldn't feel 
upset at this person or um you know it's it's so funny maddie and i were were talking about this um you know like a, a few weeks ago because you know we live a very amazing life right now but you know with everything going on her family's out in australia and we haven't been able to go visit her family right and you know we brought this we brought this up because you know we have we have a lot to be grateful for but we were feeling sad we were feeling locked yeah. up we were feeling uh, you know, a, a certain way. And even though we have so much, we have, we have, you know, a beautiful home that we live in. We've got a great puppy where, you know, we're, we've got a lot of great clients. We're financially stable. Like we've got all the things we could ever want, but we had this feeling of, of, you know, feeling stuck and frustrated and angry that we can't go visit her family. Her, her, uh, sister just had her first kid and, and oh, we're, we're right. angry that we can't get out there and, yeah. and go visit our nephew. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so you're exactly right that that's what our culture has taught us. Yeah. Is feel guilty. That's not the yeah, natural. We feel, we feel guilty because I'm like, I have so much good. Why do I feel angry about this? Right. right. Exactly. And the reality is the why is unimportant. Yeah. That, you know, like why is a bad word. Oh, that's, that's, you know, cool. yeah, because it, there's no answer to why it's just, we make up things. And they may be true, they may not be true, but they're just kind of stories to entertain us. And, and, and is so, that just is that just the the left brain trying to have control over it? Yes, or? absolutely. The ego, yeah, that the ego wants to keep us safe, and so it will make up a story to try and uh, be safe. The problem is the stories don't really make us safe because they're not actually always true. Because they're not, they're not necessarily accurate. real, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really real. And so instead of resisting our feelings, to allow our feelings and receive them is actually activates the healing aspect, the natural, the natural ability of the feelings to come in, bring us information like, wow, we really would like to see these people. Yeah. And maybe we need to call them more often, or maybe it's time to go have a yeah. FaceTime with them right now or whatever and then that allows the body to feel some uh like we're we're feeling the information we're receiving we're actually yeah. receiving what our emotional operating system is giving us and then that emotions dissipates it automatically it moves it, it moves through Right, exactly. But uh, as we all know, because we've all tried to stop being angry or being whatever, yeah. jealous or sad or whatever, we've all tried to stop it. We know it really does not work. First of all, yeah, I always, I always <laughs> think know. of, I always think of like the, you know, it's the story of the six-year-old kid that like falls off his bike, and if he tries to not cry, he's going to spend the next thirty minutes like, <laughs> like not crying. But if he yeah. just lets it out. You know, 20, yeah. 20 seconds later, he's laughing, bouncing off the walls and playing again. Exactly. Exactly. And that emotion hasn't gone underground yeah. into his body to st and become sticky because... Talk, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah. So so you just, you, yeah. you may have just alluded to a lot of things in one sentence. <laughs> um, so, so if we, let me kind of back this up. If we don't allow ourselves to feel through our emotions... Yes. They can go underground and become sticky. Correct. What does that That's mean? That's right. So so if you think about emotion as flowing through like a natural river, kind yeah. of like 
air is constantly flowing through us. It's all very organic. It's how we're designed. So emotions are like that. They're flowing through. But our mind, our will is to resist and create a dam in the river. So what happens when you create a dam in the river? The water, the emotional waters Don't that go were wanting to be gone, they're now stuck. They're so, now there. So we're, and I'm, go, I'm keeping this anger inside me by not feeling it. Right. But because now it's no longer an organic feeling, it now goes into the unconscious beneath awareness. So now we don't even know that it's there. That sounds scary. Well, it means it does have a life of its own to uh, cause uh, speed bumps to success, to stop, yeah. to cause physical symptoms, to cause depression, to cause us feeling sluggish. And this is, things yeah, this is, this is a lot of, yeah, this is a lot of what we hear around, you know, we've had, uh, you know, it's your past programming or your past undealt with emotions or past traumas that maybe you've been through that when you didn't deal with that emotion in the current period in time, goes on to continue to affect how you you respond exactly you know, today right that's right but the problem is that we don't actually know the root cause we ha- we know the idea yeah no that's true and we have ideas of what we think that programming is and yeah. who caused it etc well not always but sometimes we do especially when it's real trauma yeah however what i've discovered uh, by being with people as we actually use the organic system to identify the root cause, it can be very innocuous. Yeah. It can be very innocuous and not something that's memorable at all, but because we're immature, we're insecure because we're younger and uh, that we're, it, it just gets very sticky. We're very vulnerable to the stickiness. It's, of it's a lot more heightened of an emotion because yes. you're not necessarily as capable or, or at intellectual at understanding it, right? That's feeling, right. That's right. Yes. Or, and just not, not secure. Yeah. You know, we're not really secure. So our uh, immature ego goes, oh my God, I am this, you know, I'm ugly or I'm a failure or I don't know, you know, yeah. how to walk well. I'm, you know, constantly ungraceful and, you know, whatever it is. So then, but now it's underground. Yeah. Now, I don't know I'm thinking that. I don't know that's stopping me anymore. So I will talk myself, talk to myself, and that helps. But it doesn't change the feeling in the gut or in yeah. the body. Cells. And you, so you mentioned, you mentioned that like these underground or sticky emotions, when we don't feel through them properly or go back and heal them properly, they can actually cause physical symptoms, right? Absolutely. And, and oh, I, yeah. I know this having done this practice for years now, but- can you tell me some of the physical symptoms that like you've seen trapped emotions or sticky emotions create? Well, I mean, if somebody has a real chronic habit yeah. of stuffing their emotions, uh, you can get things even like cancer. Yeah. Uh, like I've worked with people with cancer and we go back to these times, even in childhood, where they started controlling their emotions and... Uh, and really controlling themselves in general. Yeah. And it became very toxic because they did not feel free anymore. And uh, as we know, freedom is a, it's a very constricting thing. That's what you were feeling, you and, and Maddie. It's like, well, I'm not free to go do what I want. I want to go see the family and yeah. the baby and be a part of that new 
new life that's, you know, opening up the family in this beautiful way. And, and I totally understand. Actually, my daughter lives in Australia and she hasn't been able to come home either for yep. over a year now, which she was supposed to be here twice. So I actually I was just talking to her right before we were on this, uh, this, uh, podcast. So yeah, I totally understand. And that, so one of the things too, is when you have this sticking, this, um, I call it like an energy. It's like an energy of an experience with the memory of it. It's emotional memory, really. Yeah. This emotional memory is stuck in the unconscious. It still has magnetic ability until it's dissolved. So it can attract future similar experiences yeah and then we start intellectually having evidence about how this is really true that, that it is now real so it's yes. it's this is it, i think you're hitting on one of one of my favorite things to talk about is why the law of attraction doesn't work because <laughs> okay the, yes. because the law in, in my opinion i i'm a big believer of the law of attraction or some form of the law of attraction what we focus on what we put our energy and intention into we 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 do create in this world. Right. And, right. but I think the biggest problem is exactly what you just mentioned. So the biggest problem is that, okay, I've, I've now been taught to feel guilty if I feel angry. Right. Right. So I go feel angry about something and then I feel guilty about feeling angry. So what do I do? I turn off the feeling of anger. Yes. I, t- I turn it off in that, like, of my conscious brain, I turn it off. But like you mentioned, like that anger doesn't go anywhere. That anger is now still residing in my body, in my subconscious mind, that 95% of my brain. And it's still enacting the law of attraction. It's still putting out that angry energy. And so that we are bringing more of that to us, even though consciously we've turned it off because we're like, I don't want to feel that because if I feel that, I'm going to attract more of that. But now, right. rather than just 5% of that, I've got 95% focusing on that energy. Exactly. Yeah, because now it's unknown. It's it's out of consciousness. Yeah. And that's why that gives it that's, so much power. That sounds like it's even worse because you don't even know why it's yeah. happening. <laughs> right. Exactly. It is really worse. And that's why, so we don't even now connect it in a logical way to the source. It's yeah. no longer, it it's just magical in our life that we're doomed for this, whatever that is. And And we start to create that as truth because- we can't even see where it's where it's coming from because we've turned ourselves off to it. Exactly, exactly. And that even though we use, let's say, affirmations mm-hmm. and use positive thinking, even though we use those to reframe what you know to try and reframe it all, yeah. The problem is it does not have the affect to it. I remember one time a woman was asking for help because she had started a new job and she was feeling very insecure there. And her talking about it was like wimpy. I mean, there was no energy, no passion. And then she went back to the job she hated that she just left. And it was like, you know, so if you're just staying at that emotional level, we're giving all the power to what we don't want. Wow. Emotionally. So when we unlock what's beneath that, what were really, what was really the first time that got us starting to down this course, yeah. 
then everything can start to change because now our, the cellular memory, the emotional memory yeah. is now different. So it makes the body feel different. Yeah. Well, that's, that's mind blowing. Um, first of all, so basically, <laughs> basically what you're telling us is we all need to go make sure that we cry more. Uh, we need, we need to allow ourselves to cry, be happy, be angry, all of those fun things. Right. Exactly. Because, and the thing here, Xander, is we can trust yeah. our emotional selves. The reason we don't is we're afraid. Right. We're afraid. Like when we think anger, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm an angry person. This is not good. It's a bad person, you yeah. know? And, and anger, we're, we're identifying with it. Yes. We're totally like saying, I am anger. And, but that's not accurate. We are not our feelings. <clears throat> our feelings pass through. Yeah. And they're separate from us. They're bringing us information, but they don't get lodged unless we resist them. And I, th- I think this, so, so when I lost my best friend, when I lost AJ four years ago, you were, you were probably the most influential and supportive people that one of the first person that I actually called. And, and this is the advice that you gave me when I lost AJ was you basically told me, you know, you are not your emotions. Feel what you gave me permission. You said, feel whatever you need to feel. Yeah. And and over the next six months, I I did. I I felt everything. I felt sadness. I felt heartache. I felt I felt loneliness. I felt anger. I felt yeah. resentment. And it was crazy for me to think about at that time. Like, how could I resent my best friend who just killed himself? And the logical side of me is like, you're an asshole, Xander. But like, you gave me permission to say allow it. You are not this emotion. Allow yourself to feel resentment to your best friend. And that, that permission just allowed me to move through, you know, a lot of that over the the next six months. And, you know, obviously with the help of, of rim and, uh, you know, a lot of deep work, you know, I can kind of look back on losing AJ as not only something that was one of the most pivotal growth points for me, um, mm-hmm. But something that I'm also grateful for in his life yeah. and grateful for the, the, you know, everything that he's shown me, the ability to love and the ability to, um, you know, pursue and have heart and everything that I have now at a much, a totally different level that I could have never had. Right. But it all, it all comes from permission to feel. Right. Yes. Yes. And that we can trust it has an organic healing journey it just yeah. doesn't look the way we which think. which is harder which is harder than it sounds because the I, like yeah. the first time that i ever felt it was the first time that i ever felt truly like i lost my identity when yeah. when i when i resented my best friend i i lost my identity as a happy person i lost my identity as as a successful person because i felt the absence of all joy and that was yeah. terrifying but right if you're willing to sit in that, there's a healing process on the other side. Exactly. And if you don't sit in in it, then you don't heal. It gets it gets worse almost. Well, yeah, it, it you know, I mean, there are people that have grief go on for years and years. Yeah. Now, it, you know, any time, as soon as they do a session, then they can heal quickly. It's like, you know one session kind of thing frequently when it's gone on like that because it was just became a habit and a way that they thought that's all they could do and that's all they could be. But, um, 
I, I mean, I'm so, I think that's why in REM, we do a lot of sessions in learning it, is you have to learn to trust that it works. Yeah. The system will not, you know, you will be okay. And if you don't see that multiple times and experience it yourself, it's very hard to believe. Yeah. The mind does not want to trust it. The mind wants uh, control. Yes. The mind totally wants control and control is not to allow all those feelings. Yeah. You have, you have, you have your intellectual operating system and it's like speaking French and you have your emotional operating system, which is like speaking Japanese and they're, they're trying to understand each other and they're just fighting. And it's like, you got it. You got like intellect, go take a seat. Like we gotta, (laughs) we gotta let the emotions run the show for a little bit. Yes. And that's been, uh, that's different. That's difficult in our culture. Yeah. You know, we become very dominant left brain thinkers. Yeah. And feeling feels risky to people, uh, especially people who have been traumatized because they experience the pain through emotion. Yeah. And so they don't realize that the answer is also through emotion. That that's hard to trust, to it's risk. The scary, it's the scary truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's the scary truth. And so once that's why RIM is really about creating uh, what I call floodgates in that river of emotion. Yeah. So it's not total absence of control. It's in an environment where we maintain safety. Control a controlled safety. release. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. So that it you, people don't get flooded. Yeah. Because that's what everybody's afraid of. But that's but that's <laughs> what happens. That's what happens to most people when they don't deal with it. You know, the dam builds up, the water builds up, and eventually, like you mentioned, the dam breaks. And right. And they get washed away. So even if exactly. they they don't want it, they end up getting the worst case scenario. Exactly. Yeah, we create what we're trying to avoid. And you know, I've heard that phrase before. But there's, you know, when you actually see how when you've done it, it's like, oh, yeah, duh. (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's one of those moments where it's such a big learning, such a great big awareness, self awareness. So and so, so question question for you, do Like, do we have to have gone through some form of trauma to have this like emotional dam stuff going on? Or does, does everybody have some emotional damning going on or like who needs to be aware of this is, is kind of what I'm getting at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that families that uh, was not that where parents weren't comfortable with emotion, um, that you will have it. I think everybody has to a degree because culturally it's not really encouraged and accepted yet yeah. more than it used to be a lot. Yeah. Uh, like for instance, I think it's no, no um, accident that I was uh, born into an Italian, primarily Italian family. My uh, dad was uh, first generation Italian and his family surrounded us. When the first time my husband went to my hometown, he goes, is there anybody in this town you're not related to? <laughs> You know, and so, and the Italian culture, it, not that it is all perfect, let me tell you, but uh, one of the things it does right is it allows emotion. And if you visit Italy, have you ever visited Italy? I, I've it, been to Venice, yeah. Yeah, so is it, the people are very Very animated, very emotional. Yeah. One of my best friends is Italian and his, his yeah. family is like, I love him to death, but huge swings (laughs) yes yes exactly exactly so that helped me to be more comfortable with intense emotion because i saw nobody died and i was like nobody died (laughs) like we can handle this 
Yes, exactly. But, you know, I would say my husband's family was not like that. And so that's been something we've had to come to a, a gradual coming together where, <laughs> you know, I can communicate in a way he can hear yeah. and that he has the freedom to actually be emotional and to have him, you know, express his emotions. So I think the other thing is that trauma is very relative to yeah. our experience of it. You know, people can be traumatized by getting a C in school instead of an A uh, because all of their all of their self esteem is yep. loaded on their intellect. It's, That's it's, just it. Yeah, it's really funny you bring that up because uh, one of our one of one of my good friends actually amazing bring amazing upbringing, amazing parents. Uh, raised very well, like great values, amazing, amazing guy. Um, but like when we went through one of these psychosomatic processes, like one of the the traumas was when he like legitimately got his first C in school. Yes. Because his dad being, you know, very successful and his dad wasn't yeah. upset, but he could tell that his dad was not impressed. Right. And it was like, it was this, I just let down, like I let down my superhero. Right. His dad was yes. his superhero. And his I let I let down my superhero. And it created this this emotion of uh not being good enough unless everything is perfect. Right. right. And and that's the story that, you know, became truth for him. And he great yeah. childhood, no traumas. But it was, right. it was one C in one class that like that's all it took. Exactly. And it became, you know, the pebble in the shoe. Yeah. Uh for the rest of his life until it gets addressed. Now, if this is something, if you have children, you know, when you have children, yeah. uh, you do, uh, if you want to, that um, the more that they feel safe coming home and talking about those feelings, you know, then that doesn't get stuck. Yeah. So the more that there's a lot of conversations, just freedom. But then I had I had to be careful because I could ask too many questions. <laughs> you you could go too I far, to talk too and they're much. like, "Mom, mom, leave me alone." <laughs> exactly, we're done here. <laughs> so you have to find the balance. You have yeah. to find the balance. You know, so that. Um, but the more that they feel safe, yeah, to be able to share those things that they feel hurt about without being worried they're going to make you feel bad or, you know, if they feel at all. Like not not having to worry about how it will impact anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was the thing that I think as a, as a child I really learned because I had a mother that felt a little fragile emotionally to me. You know, honestly, I mean, she was not mentally ill or anything like that. I mean, again, this is all uh, interpretation. But yeah. I think I felt stronger than her. Maybe that was it, probably. Yeah. that be most likely and so when I was parenting I really had this intention that my kids could do whatever and it didn't have anything to do with my self-esteem it was uh it was their freedom I wanted yeah. to create freedom for them to have their experiences and not feel like I was dependent upon their approval or their yep. anything really and um and that was very helpful I think that was very helpful uh, and, you know, and, and we're not perfect, <laughs> whatever we do. So, so don't expect that. So it's, it's a constant learning. Life yeah. is just constant feedback and learning. What would, what would you say, you know, cause it, it sounds like everybody could use, all of us could use a little bit more of emotional work in our life, allowing yeah. ourselves to move through emotions more, allowing ourselves to feel the negative stuff more. Um, 
you know, for all of us now that, that I know, and I think everybody knows, we probably have something in our past, whether, oh, whether it was a, a C on a math test or whether it was abuse, right? It you know, they're, yes. they're all mm-hmm. traumatic to us. Um, right. What are some of the first steps that we can kind of go down to start that healing process? I think to, to uh, be compassionate with ourselves, that we can be so hard on ourselves. Um, it's, it's so sad. Yeah. Because we don't deserve that. Really, yeah. we don't. You know, and the more that we can have self-compassion, the more we start to actually learn uh, about maybe what we could do different. Uh, not that we were bad. It's like it's letting maybe, letting the walls down a little bit. Yes, totally. Letting the walls down a bit. As much as you're comfortable, but considering, I mean, continuing to move in that direction. So it's not a black and white thing. Uh, Actually, it's lifelong. You know, I think uh, growth, personal growth is, for me, has been a lifelong kind of interest, uh, habit, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of what life is all about, right? It's it's about growth. It's, It's about love and it's about purpose, but it's also about growth during that process. Well, it it certainly has been my experience. That's been my priority. And I would say that it has helped keep me healthy and happy and um, really creative and exploring adventurous, I would say, more than I would have been otherwise. And uh, so I I certainly am glad that that's the course of the rest of my life. It sounds awfully boring without it, actually. Yeah, right, right. Let's keep let's keep this life entertaining for sure. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful, Do- Doctor Deb. I like I could probably keep talking to you for an hour, um, <laughs> but I do want to be conscious of time. And I had a couple of quick questions for you before I let you go, if you wouldn't mind. Of course. Um, for a little speed round. Um, number one, you've you've impacted so many lives, and not just people that have have worked directly with you or you know, your practitioners that you have through uh, the RIM Institute, and they're now working with people, but the ripple effect, right? You teach people and then they go teach people and it just keeps going and keeps going. Yes. Um, What's your, what's your big why? Like, what, like, how do you have this drive to continue to do all of these things? What's so interesting is um, RIM and the, uh, you know, regenerating images and memory, the technique itself is like a third child, like my yeah. youngest, my youngest child, and she's not quite uh, independent yet. She's not self sustaining yet. Yeah. So I can't, I can't leave the planet until she is. Yeah. And she has to. She is magnificent. You yep. know. I mean, and she's not me. She yeah. has a life of her own. Yeah. And she has to have a life that is going out and touching many, many, many more uh, beyond my life. And that keeps me really inspired. It's, that's, it's a love. And then the other part is not only does it feel like I, yeah, maybe I, yeah, I, I helped create RIM, but it really feels like RIM's been creating me. Yeah, it's, because, you, were, yeah. You, were more, you were more of a facilitator or a vessel yeah. for RIM almost. Exactly. I really was. And so REM keeps stretching me. So in order for it to grow and for more people, it it pushes me to do things I would normally not say I want to go do that. Yeah. 
but I do it because it needs to happen for REM to go out and be more people to be able to benefit from it. And then, then it makes me feel better too. I feel more confident or I feel more accomplished at the same time, even though that wasn't my motivation, you know, it is a byproduct. It is. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, that's all I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll take it. Um, next, next question for you. What's one thing more important than money? Well, lots more important than money to me. I I think probably relationships have always been important to me. That um, intimacy and emotional intimacy. You know, I was just born with a knack for it. And so I would just attract people and we would, you know, and because I enjoy it so much and it really helped me to appreciate all different kinds of people. It's helped me to do that. And not have judgments about them, even though they may be of all all ways and all varieties. And um, I think that that is most important. Now, at a certain point, I did recognize, and actually my friend Jack Canfield, who you have worked with as well, um, he has taught me that having more having a very good livelihood actually allows me to do more good in the world and i would say once i saw that and experienced that it made it really easy for me to allow receiving more money yeah income uh money has never been a driver for me service i'm definitely have always been service oriented my first first career was in nursing and then you know mental health like psychotherapy so uh, you know it's um that's always been where I've been called I would say to be yeah. able to And the, feel the money like, the money is just a tool for service exactly. and for the impact right. and everything else. Right. Yeah, it really that. is not it. That's not that doesn't feed me in the same way however it does feed me in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like physically, you know, it does feed me and buys my food, but um I would say that it just doesn't what is it? I would say it is a tool, like you were yeah. saying. So it's not the God. I don't worship money, and uh, but it's a tool. And so I definitely invite uh, prosperity because it really does help me help more people. And that more people, then it's like, I'm no different than them. And if they see I have prosperity, they're enriched to say, yeah, they can too. They can, they, uh, yeah, they're getting permission. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's a lot of permission there. And, um, yeah. How about you? That. I'm curious. Can I ask you questions? <laughs> we'll dig in. We'll dig into that another time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Last, last two questions for you. Uh, number okay. one, what's your, what's your most recommended book that you've been recommending this last year? Oh, geez. Uh, hmm. you know, I, that's hard for me to say. I'm not so much into recommending books to be quite honest. Yeah. Not, uh, not even goodbye hurt and pain. Well, yes, I'd recommend that's, that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good book. I've read it myself just so you're aware. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I have recommended that one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's, it's really a self it's for the self to use. Yeah, this inner technology. To yeah, apply. so so for anybody for anybody out there who is interested in in digging into this and being able to help go through this process yourself, uh, goodbye hurt and pain is is Doctor Deb's book. 
to that, you know, self-release of those emotions and everything yeah. that's, that you're going through. So if you want to check it out on Amazon, definitely do it. Yeah. I've read it. Uh, I've implemented a lot of the stuff, um, but it's a, it's a great one um, for you. Uh, so that being said, Dr. Deb, uh, you know, last question I already got, always got to ask, I think you alluded to it a little bit. Um, but, uh, what's on the horizon for you and RIM and where can people learn more about you? Yeah. So, the yes, that what's really on the horizon right now that I'm very committed to getting RIM into schools for teachers and students. And oh, that's so- amazing. I've been working on that for a few years and now with all that's going on, there's such a need that it's a really good time. So we have a, I have a, pardon me, uh, the RIM Institute has a pilot starting this summer with a number of uh, Colorado schools, a lot of rural schools where they have absolutely no mental health services available to the schools. And um, because we can train people in the school rather than having to bring somebody in. Yeah. Um, and then there really can be available in the moment when a kid blows up and gets kicked out of class. or To handle uh, it. You know, a girl starts crying in her class because her mother's got cancer or whatever it is. And then with a brief, like, 15, 20, 30-minute max uh, interaction with this technique they go back to the class in a totally different frame of a frame of mind. Oh, that's and, amazing. Um, so I'm very committed to that. And uh, it's so needed. The kids and teachers are suffering so much. I've been involved over the yeah. last few years and I've seen all the suffering, even before the pandemic with the school shootings. You know, it's like, it's, um, we, there needs to be a change there. Yeah. And I want to be part of that. That's amazing. I love that. And I'm going to make sure that we can make that happen. But thank you so much, Dr. Deb. This has been uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, been an absolute pleasure running through this with you. For everybody else out there listening, if you want to learn more, you can go to goodbyehurtandpain.com uh, and you can learn more about Dr. Deb. You can learn more about her book, more about the RIM Institute if you're interested in going deeper there. Um, but again, Dr. Deb, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Xander. It's been such a pleasure. So great to be together. Yep. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.